So, Jamie and Mike, how did you guys coordinate? And Sorry, one sec. Stop moving around as much and uh, stop massaging your own hands. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, Welcome to a special edition of Go Live. This is a podcast brought to you by the AMIA Clinical Informatics Fellows, where we discuss the intersection between healthcare and technology and bring you entertaining interviews from experts in the field. Today we're recording live from AMIA 2017, and I'm joined here in person, in a room, with a <laughs> bunch of my friends in Clinical Informatics Fellows. So I've got Mark Zhang here. I mean, you graduated a Clinical Informatics Fellowship, right? I did. And, I did. And you're doing... I'm uh, the Associate Program Director for the Partners Clinical Informatics Innovation Fellowship, and Medical Director of Digital Health Implementation at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Great. Um, and then uh, I also have Melissa Van Kane, one of the other Boston Fellows. So how are you enjoying AMIA? Uh, I think it's really great. This is my second year at AMIA, and it's really interesting to see the differences between the years. And did you know anyone last year? Or? I basically only knew the fellows that I'd met on interviews, so it was a little bit awkward, and I was just like, ah, there's some, like, well, the one person I know, but this year it's like, oh, all these people that I've run into, and so it's it's a very different experience. Awesome. And then we also have Michael Wang. You're a second-year fellow over at UCSF. Yeah. Did you say in some sort of weird house uh, here this year? Yeah, hashtag switch house. Um, it's, you know, kind of echoing Melissa's comments. I, compared to last year, this year has felt so different, partially because... Um, uh, there, we've just know more people, um, and in my particular case, I'm. We actually rented out a couple of apartments, and I think we've got seven guys crammed into two apartments. So, uh, but it's 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 been a blast. <laughs> awesome. And then uh, we got Chancy Christensen, Amy. Uh, Twenty seventeen is the first time I met you in person, and uh, we've been talking on this podcast, I guess, for a while. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, How'd you like AMIA this year? It was good. It's a lot bigger than the conferences I'm used to, and I know that a lot of the other conferences are much bigger, but uh, it's definitely a lot, and so I've learned a lot, and I feel like I've seen a lot, too. So. Awesome. And then lastly, we have Jamie Bell. Um, so you are a second-year fellow at UCLA, and you are the president of ACIF. And you got together some pretty big people all in one place this year. Is that right? I did. I did. Yesterday night uh, was an excellent opportunity. I was glad so many, people, so many fellows were all, uh, able to make it. Yeah, yeah um, so we'll talk, touch base about that just in a bit, but that, that was awesome. Can we talk about, I think, I think you know, since I'm, I'm, a, I'm a recent graduate of uh, the CI Fellowship, I'll tell you about my experience as a, as a graduating fellow and a and, uh um, a man with a job. Buying four hundred and fifty dollars phones at Red. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Once you secure that 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 post fellowship job, um, you bring your dog to Avia, <laughs> and you use this time to to, to buy phones. So and so, so last year, did you take a? You didn't take a train to Amia last year, right? I, I did. I took a train to Hims. Oh, okay. I took a train to Hims, so that that was like a that was like a full day train ride from Boston to Orlando. But I drove. I drove to uh, to Amia from from Boston. I so basically, I, I love flying. Um, it's my preferred way of uh, uh, travel. I, I but for whatever reason, I I just never get the opportunity to because of you know like for whatever reason. So this time it was because I brought my dog to Amia. Um, so it was like a seven-hour ride the entire time 
uh, the dog was just going, <laughs> and that was a uh, yeah, that was a ride. And and you are now the associate program director at the Brigham's uh, Clinical Dramatics Fellowship, right? That's right. At, at part at the partners. Oh, I'm sorry, fellowship. the partners <laughs> fellowship. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, based at the Brigham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, do you think it's different this year? Like, do you feel like you're more one of the fellows, or do you feel like you're, like, old? I mean, do you feel like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, every day I feel like I'm an old. So the current, uh, one of our first-year fellows uh, was talking about how how uh, she, she came to the States yesterday uh, in the 90s, and I was like, that was another reminder of my impending mortality <laughs> and the fact that every day I get older. Uh but, you know, what's interesting is the um, coming in as I feel like it's still very much in this transition zone, right, where I, I still very much identify as a fellow, even though I've just come out and I'm no longer a um, an actual clinical informatics fellow. It still feels like that's the community I'm really a part of. And transitioning to the CCIPD, the program director world, it's different. You know, I think um, especially... I'm sure we've all had this kind of um, uh, this feeling before. When, when after your post residency, you're practicing in a situation where you know you're the people that taught you are are are, are your now your colleagues, and like you have to uh, stop saying Doctor So and So, right? And it's weird. Yeah. And it, and I think that's there's something like that with with um, with this transition as well. You guys had like your CCIPD uh, meeting this year, yeah, and uh, Amy. Uh, Clinical Informatics Fellows came and, and presented there, I yeah, believe. Uh, yeah. Jamie and Chaitan. Yeah. And how'd that go over with, with your folks? Yeah, with I, the, I, I the think. The old people. I think, um, I think uh, uh, as, a, as a member of the olds, I think we were all um, super impressed. And, you know, I, I got to say, uh, Jamie and uh, uh, Mike and Chaitan, like, ha- have done just an amazing job just kind of coordinating this whole this whole endeavor for, for all of AMIA. But I, I would say that the CCIPD presentation, um, really came out well, and I think the the um, overall feeling from the program directors was one of support, and I think they were all just impressed, right? I mean, the fact that we were able to do this over the span of essentially a year um, and and come up so coordinated and, and coalesced around this 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 group is just amazing, um, and. I think it really reflected when we had our uh, ACIF general meeting when when many of the program directors came there. You know, and stayed the, the whole meeting. Support. And stayed the whole meeting, yeah. Yeah, yeah even yeah. after suggestions of, like, well, maybe you guys should <laughs> If you're not a fellow, maybe you guys should head this out. This is the only fellow time. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, th- I think the other thing I would just say is that the, um, I think that within AMIA, the, um, you know, I think ACIF already is positioned um, very strongly to, to take a leadership position, particularly in the applied clinical informatics space. You know, uh, uh, Doug Fridsma really talks about and has talked about both at the CCIPD meeting, but also at the ACI, ACIF meeting, um, how ACIF is one of the three pillars um, that will really represent applied clinical informatics in, in the applied space, the other being CCIPD and the other, the last being the organization representing diplomats. And I think like that's a lot of power, um, and that's that's a that's a there's a lot of position uh, potential there. Um, so yeah, I think it's really exciting. <laughs> so how did you guys get all these important people into one room? We get you know we had Bill Hirsch, one of the founding first fathers of clinical informatics. You know, and we had um, you know all of the a lot of the program directors. We had Doug Fridsma, uh, the CEO and president of 
AMIA, which is this organization, which is crazy. Um, who else do we have, and how did you guys coordinate all this? Um, so the biggest thing is that Bruce Levy reached out to us, the chair of the CCIPD group. Do you want us to present to their, their group, which we did, which I think went very well, as Mark described. Um, and then during that meeting, we essentially invited the, the PDs to our meeting, and they were very excited and happy to come. Um, Doug Frisman has been, we've been in talks and negotiations with him all along from day one with uh, ASAF. Um, and he was, you know, he was more than welcome to come and speak. And um, we were very happy to have, have him come and talk and support us uh, very openly. Well, on top of that, we had Ben Munger, who's the chair of the American Board of Preventive Medicine. The board is certified clinical informatics. Also offers the board exam in clinical informatics. So essentially, it's really like a, all the stars really aligned. Um, and it, I, some of it, I think, was serendipity. Otherwise, I think it was hard work and just staying at it. Um, also the support of Mike and Chathan, and I all of the, the executive ace of board. Um, it was just a great opportunity. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's been, I think this coming together has been very organic. Um, I mean, and I, and I think that most that reflects the, like a lot of um, these people have come to us and wanted to interact with us, and I just really think it reflects, reflects the the vacuum and the need that we're trying to fill with the organization. Um, it's just, I think people see the potential for the fellows and and really want to support them. So I think it's great that we got the turnout that we did, both from um, the leadership supporting um, ASIF as well as the the, 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 fellow, the the volume of fellows themselves that came out. I mean, we had like 40-something fellows. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah let's talk about that. That, that was <laughs> yeah. impressive, just to yeah, see that cool. many fellows uh, come, come out and... Like, that were here. I thought there was gonna be like maybe twenty people, yeah, and, so you know, yeah. there might be like a couple snacks. Instead, we had like you know that's that's when we knew the meeting was real. Is like yeah. we had water jugs <laughs> and we had like a full spread of food. It the was reality really, was, you know, we knew it was official when not only did we have full cans of soda, but yeah. there was meat. It was not. A, this was not a continental spread. This was a antipasta. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> this, and, is a full, this is a yeah, full course. This is a full course. And after all the diet cokes were gone, yeah. there were more. There were it was very impressive. It was great turnout, and I think there were great there was great discussion at the meeting as well. You know, and it's and it's I don't know, like it it like warms my heart almost to like see people that have only like seen their Slack name and like maybe an icon next to their name. Yeah. Um, and so it's like it's like really great to like see these people that I've just like talked to you know, in fake worlds. So, uh, I think that's been the most valuable thing that's come out of it. I mean, it's really just the chance to interact with it. And I, I mean, I I haven't seen it like some of those people ever. And so yeah. to meet the actual 40 people, so I think it really shows. And so... What's, a, what's amazing to me is that there are people that I didn't even know existed that I had to meet you know? And, and, and I think that's, that's the most exciting thing. It's, yeah. it's not only... It's a beacon, right? It's a lighthouse. And I think that's why we needed to create this organization. And that's why I, I, my hope is that, you know, this continues to move forward. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that the, for me, the most rewarding experiences have been like when I've heard people say like, say like, oh, yeah, I thought I was just like this this clinical informatics fellow by myself at my, you know, I'm the one fellow, my, this one institution. It's like, I met you guys and like, cool. Like now I actually feel like I belong to a community. I mean, that's like, that's the whole reason we started this thing. And I, I think it's, it, it this... Our fellowship is by its, by its nature in, in a lot of the unstructuredness of, of the of the programs or I mean which is intentional and good, um, but it's just like a lot of times I think it's it's very isolating and so it's cool to be able to build that community. So do you, are you saying that do you think we created like Doctor Bandcamp 
Is that what like KCIF yeah. is? This, this is? This is this is Dr. Bandcamp. <laughs> well, you know, there is the Amy at Dance that's tonight that they're really excited about. Oh yeah, who's There's going to dance party? There's a dance party? Does it cost extra money? No. no. It's free. It's just to I'm watch Doug go. Bell dance. You're going to go? Gonna Jamie's go. going? <laughs> he has to go. He's required to go. I know, I know some dance. of the program directors love it. You don't know this, Mark? No, I don't know about it. It's like a real dance party for like old people like us, <laughs> but older. Like older. Yeah. <laughs> really? Here at like, Amia. Like, is it like a wedding dance party? Like Macarena? Yeah. No, no, like it's that? like a singles mingle. But like a singles <laughs> mingle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you were, I was saying how lonely the clinical informatics fellows are. <laughs> well, especially when they're in their first year by themselves. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk to Melissa about one of the themes of Amia this year, but did you guys see any like kind of themes that were kind of spanning across Amia this year? Anything come to mind? I, something that, I don't know, I guess it was maybe a self-selected theme for me was like, Instead of just talking about like interoperability and you know smart and fire, people were really talking about uh, the interoperability of clinical decision support. So you know standardizing those protocols, yeah. And because uh, you know there are so many people doing the same thing in separate locations, and it's a lot of work. Um, and so I think that's one of the impetus for um, implementation of something like that. Have you guys seen any other themes? You know, I mean, like, I really focused on the consumer side and mHealth. Uh-huh. I thought that there was some, uh, what, what I like about AMIA is, um, uh, particularly this conference, is that, you know, I, I think a lot of times we get so uh, um, tunneled, tunnel vision into, like, you know, the products and the, the, the problems that we're addressing that we don't get this um, uh, a wider picture of, of uh, uh, you know, what, what's happening in, in the field. Um, and I think that some of the uh, the, the research uh, reviews and, and, and um, uh, 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 classes that I went to uh, were, were super helpful in that respect. I feel like there's a lot of machine learning stuff, and I think there was maybe an over-application of the term because they applied it to everything, you know, like any algorithmic use of it. They're like, it's machine learning. Like, well, sure, I guess. I mean, but I don't know. Melissa and I were commenting on it. Like, it feels like this this conference. I mean, I know in general it seems like Amia is is intentionally uh, moving to capture more of the implementation and and, and applied aspects of informatics. I think um, I I have noticed it quite palpably this year. I mean, I, I I go to a mix of the machine learning talks and like the more applied like social determinants talks, and and I I expect it to be more applied from the social determinants sessions that I go to. But even from the machine learning sessions I've gone to, it's been like less focused on developing new algorithms and, and, and ways of analyzing data and more about like these are the barriers we faced and this is what we were able to actually deploy, uh, which, is a, which is just, it has a very different um, bent. And I, it's been, that's, I've noticed that distinct shift change from, from like last, even last year's meeting. Mm-hmm. When you go to the sessions that are more research-oriented and not um, any implementation, it, people are at, at the end are like, but yeah, but but how do we get this? And, and you know, people just want mm-hmm. to see that implemented. I wonder if the review process changed this year, you know, if they mm-hmm. focused on trying to get more mm-hmm. applied research rather than theoretical. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I wonder what they're going to do for clinical informatics, because that's their main applied mm-hmm. area. So then it's just going to be too applied. It's going to be areas. heavy on the research. That's what the <laughs> clinical informatics <laughs> So what, one of the things I thought was interesting from the keynote was that the Jamia Journal, well, the Amia Journal Jamia will be monthly. Is that right? Yeah, they said they're trying to make Jamia monthly, and then they also have that open journal that they've added. Yeah, did you guys so see that? So they're going to try yeah. and do 12 issues a year of Jamia, which they haven't always been doing, and then 
uh, also doing this open journal, which I didn't quite understand exactly what's going to go in that or how they decide what goes in that. It's either. open. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? I don't really know. I think, I think the idea is that it's peer reviewed, but that the idea is that we're doing good work and it should be shared with a wider audience and not just those who are subscribed to Jamia. Yeah. So there's this idea of like the informatics community has been a little too insular. We need to get our ideas out into the world and show like this is why informatics is important because we're doing really good work. So I think that's the idea behind it is what I understand. And so it's open in that people can read it. Yes. And not open in the fact that or in that everyone could just publish in it. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Because <laughs> it still has the Jamia name on it, so they're probably still going to read Jamia Wiki. That's what it is. Jamia Forums. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it means that there's like a lot, you know, they must be really getting a lot of research and a lot of quality papers that they can't stuff into, you know, six issues uh, a year. And so now it's 12 plus this open journal, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it changes, if they'll be more focused journals, you know, maybe they want to tackle different areas with each journal or different like, like themed, machine learning and yeah, more themes yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than just kind of whatever comes in. I don't know. Yeah. Right. And they said they even like pointed that there was one. Uh, I forget what the theme was, but there's a po- uh, theme that they have coming out like this spring. Or it's something. probably precision medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, has anyone gone to the posters? Uh, any, any, yeah. any good stuff? Even on the poster side, I've seen a lot of imp- like implemented solutions as, as things that, that people were presenting. Oh. I had a, a poster yesterday and I was kind of surprised by how many people were excited to talk to me about the poster. You know, people like came by and like were super excited and you know, it's kind of weird just because you're like meeting you know, we're, we're here at this conference of like dorky doctors and we're already like, we're all dorky and we're all doctors and this is weird, you know, but like <laughs> and then you're there and you you have something that you're passionate about, passionate about um, and it's like a little part of being a dorky doctor and and other people are also passionate about that specific thing. So it's kind of really a uh, cool t- thing. T- tell us about your poster. Oh, I mean, it was on uh, adolescent patient privacy and um, adolescent patient portals, uh, portal use, basically. You know, as an internal medicine and pediatric doctor, I you know focus on that transition. We're big on this transition of the adolescent patient, especially those with, like, complex conditions. Um, you know, you want the kid with CF to know what they're doing now so that they know what to do later as an adult. The primary care doctor um, of these patients, you know, I would have the you know mom go out of the room so I could discuss with the, the patient. You know, they might not want to discuss everything, obviously, with mom. But we don't have necessarily a function to do that within our electronic health record. Some places do, but the um, across the country, it's very heterogeneous. And um, that was what I was trying to see. It, is it heterogeneous? There are clear recommendations from the AAP and the Society of Adolescent Health and Medicine out there. Uh, do we have any consensus on what we should be doing with those um, governing bodies? And it, there are limitations from a state standpoint. State, some states like don't allow the parent not to see some of the notes. And mm. you know we have uh, regulations from um, EHR standpoint. Some people say that their EHR doesn't allow them to do that, so they just turn off the access for the the adolescent and the parent. Um, you know, and these are patients that we're trying to prepare for for adulthood. And when we turn that off, and they're the connected generation, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of tough. Those are the kids that we see running into lampposts and stuff because they're texting and then we can't let them, you know, access their own health data. Uh, but yeah, so the poster session was more fun than I was expecting it would be, so that was kind of cool. That's cool. That's cool. And so, Melissa, I want to talk to you about this weird thing, um, like wine. You went to some wine event the other night. <laughs> what well, is that? <laughs> It's the Women in Informatics Networking event. Okay. Um, I think in general, 
Women in AMIA is a new movement, so it just became like an official committee of AMIA about six months ago. Nuh-uh. Yes. Before that time, it was just kind of an idea. Yeah, it just started, and it didn't even have a working group until maybe a year ago. So it's still a new idea to have a women-only area, and I think... Um, but this, but different events have been going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wine has been going on for a while. But I think what's actually bigger than just the networking is the committee itself has actually looked at why are there not more women in AMIA? How can we get more women? And one of the things they've been targeting is leadership positions and awards. And they actually went to the board of directors and said, why are there not more women winning these awards? And what they found out is that women just weren't even being nominated. Mm. And so now there's just a big push on the forum to say, these are the awards, nominate women for them. And nominate other women, nominate yourself, you are awesome, you should do this. And this year, like, the top award at AMIA was given to a woman, and I think part of that is because of this effort of women actually trying to kind of promote themselves and their colleagues more than they have been in the past. That's great. They also started this really cool project trying to get more peop- more women into informatics in general, mm-hmm. where they took local undergraduates from around the D.C. area and gave them a free pass to AMIA and gave them mentors for just for Sunday is when they had mentors, but they were able to come the whole time. And so they could see what the conference is like, see what's going on. They attended like the student paper competition, I think, to kind of get them more involved. And they actually get um, access to AMIA for the year. They, They get to be members for free. They had to apply to this program. But I think it's really cool that they're trying to get more women, especially at younger and younger ages into informatics. So I think it's a really cool movement, and I think it's really important because if you look at, for example, ASIF, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of the female fellows who are here were like, whoa, this is kind of a boys' club. I didn't even realize how out of proportion it was until you get all the fellows together. So it's great that we had lots of fellows, but it's too bad that we didn't have more women there too. So, um, and even in the program director roles, there's very few women who are in CCIPD. And I think that's something that we need to look at and actively work on and change. And I think Women in AMIA is trying to do that. And then within ASIF, I think we can work on that too. Yeah, I think it's exciting. Uh, not, were there a lot of um, fellows at that event as well? or At the, at the, wine, the wine event? Uh, there were a few. You know, some of one of our fellows is pregnant right now. Like there may be different reasons that people can be there. And but the other problem is there's only that one event too. Yeah. So if you just happen to have a dinner that night, then maybe you can go. And it's a little bit later at night, so not everybody could go. But there were other fellows there, and I talked to them, and I tried to get other female fellows to go too. So um, hopefully we'll see a change in that. I think we're seeing it a little bit at the higher levels of AMIA, and hopefully that will filter down a little bit to ASIF and. The fellowships as well. Do you think there's a burden more on CCPID for because um, we don't select who the other fellows in other places are? So we in our own program we try to encourage like oh, we try to encourage diversity, but I, I mean really it's the program director who decides. Who well, I think I I don't know this for certain because I haven't seen all the applicants and maybe Mark you've seen more, yeah. but there's also just not that many women applying. Almost yeah. like this, you know, you can't select somebody from for an award if they're not submitted. You can't choose someone for your program if they don't apply. So I actually think we need to do more work, too, with, like, different medical societies Mm -hmm. to reach out and say, hey, 
this exists. Even though you're a woman, you can still do informatics. You know, it doesn't preclude you. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I and I don't I don't know the numbers this year, but I know that, you know, I don't think that the barrier is is the applicant pool is still small, and yeah, I think it's, it's kind of self selecting, and I think there still needs to be a lot of. Um, I mean, I, I I I'd be interested to hear your origin stories, how you guys came into see, like clinical informatics, because for me it was straight up a poster that I like walked by walked past while I was rounding <laughs> one day, right? Like that's how I got into like the clinical informatics fellowship. That's how I became aware that there was a fellowship. You know, that was a lot of serendipity. Uh, and I imagine that, you know, it was probably similar for a lot of you. It was either a mentor or, you know, some connection that got you where you are in this hotel room um, at D.C., right? And But that can't be the case, you know? It's not like GI or Hemonc where it's just a specialty that everyone knows about, and it's part of the slew of options that you come in from medical school and say, I, that's my target, you know, that's something that we, we still need to work at work on as a, as a whole. Right, and, I, and I, I know that there was some good discussion about this last night, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, being the missionaries for clinical informatics. Um, and, and whose job is that? Is that the, the program director's job, you know, because they're trying to recruit members? Um, or is it partly our job because... I think it's all of our job. I think so. That's the way I feel well, yeah. is that... And I actually... And I think that, especially since we're trying to recruit doctors that we can't just be recruiting at informatics events because right. that makes no sense, right? Those are people we've already recruited to informatics. Yeah. I think we actually have to go to internal medicine and yeah. to the Association of American Pediatrics, and we need to go to radiology or pathology and get those people more excited to do informatics. And I think that's how we get, well, more applicants and also more diversity and more exposure to our field. Yeah, how many how many of your colleagues or people that like kind of find out that this is what you're doing go, holy crap, that's like a thing you can do? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure, like, <laughs> I know that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. Mo- like, I've had, like, my doctors, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. saying, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> like, I mean, how do you do that? It's, us- it's usually the first, the, first, the first response is, really, you can do that? And the second is, I'm not surprised. There's more women in, like, graduating from medical school now than men, right? Like, why, like, why is the proportion going into our specialty, like, so, so skewed? Well, I think if you look at all STEM careers, it's an issue, so it's not that we are unique, but I do think that we're always probably going to have to work on that, because Mm -hmm. otherwise we're just going to be a group of nerdy dudes. So, (laughs) is there ways that we should fix it to be focused more on women and Well, so the way I see informatics is it's not just computers, right? It's actually, like, systems, right? We're trying to improve systems, which I actually think in some ways women are very, very good at, right? We're good at personal connection. We're good at, like, discussions and getting to agreements, sometimes more stereotypically maybe, but um, better than men. So I think we should target it in that sense. It's right. not just dorky computers. It's yeah. not just apps. It's actually really working with people to reach yeah. a common goal and to make like the hospital better, to make patient care yeah. better. I, and I think that's how you recruit women is by showing what the field really is. Yeah, and I think even just communicating ways. what it is to everyone. I think we're still defining what makes a good program and what, you know, in each track. I, in my, my view is that you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think how CI fellowships are going to end up, you know, bl- blooming and moving towards are these track-based approaches, where you may go down like a 
um, a, a technical kind of track or a research track or an innovation entrepreneurial track or an operations track. So, you, you know, you, you're under the umbrella of a CI fellowship, but you have this track, which, which then te- which kind of highlights what your skill set really is. Because, it, you know, one could say, and you ideally are touching a little bit of everything, but when you come out, your capstone or whatever you've done really is emphasized by whatever track you go towards. Um, and certainly some of them, like if you want to, you know, go deep into machine learning or, or something like that, you probably need to have some kind of technical background um, to even go, go down that track. But others, like operations, you know, you may not. But even for machine learning, I mean, there's apps out there that can help you. There's, you know, you can take courses during fellowship. I do think, you know, you do hear about people who you know, started someplace in uh, their research or something and ended up adding machine learning because they yeah. just got really interested in it. So I don't think anything is a barrier. And we really have a lot of free time to learn what we want. That's true. So if you really wanted to decide that you're going to, in two years, be good at machine learning, I think you could do that. might not be the leader in the field, but you could probably do research in it. Yeah. I mean, great discussion, and it's great to hear, like, what everyone, you know, got out of Amy and It's kind of interesting to see that, like, you know, we all went to different uh, sessions, and we, so we all kind of got different things But out of EMEA. But I think one of the things that we all got that was the same is, you know, that we all, like, did this networking thing. It's like we all got to see each other in real life and, like, really benefited from that. Um, and I think, you know, moving forward, it, that's, like, one of the great benefits of, of coming to this conference. And so, you know, coming to this conference requires a lot of travel. We always have pro tips here at Go Live, the podcast. So <laughs> I thought we could go around quickly uh, and maybe give, like, a perhaps a travel pro tip. Um, I think mine, my pro tip is just ask. So, like, you know, I know that the Wi-Fi is crap in these hotels, so I asked the lady at the front, what's the password for the faster Wi-Fi in a nice way? And then she gave it to me. So I think, like, uh, you know, if you just, like, ask for things sometimes, like, they'll... Uh, give you them. How about you, Mark? So I, I don't have a I don't have a traveling pro tip, um, but I do have a pro tip just in general for Amia. I would highly encourage. So this year, I did um, I I volunteered to be a uh, student mentor uh, and and mentored uh, two two high school uh, 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 Amia members. Um, and you know I think that one theme that I think we should all be thinking about um, as as fellows or graduates is, is really how do we move the profession forward? Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's one arm is, is, is mentorship. And it didn't take long. It was just a quick meeting kind of talking about, you know, what, they, what their goals are and, and what I'm doing. And, you know, hopefully that, that, that helps them. But I think that we should be making those connections. All of us should be making those connections at, at all levels. How, how important do you have to be to be a mentor? Li- very, very not important at all. They offered it to me, so, you know, you know basically <laughs> basically they're scraping at the bottom of the... No, you, you know what? I think it was just a call-out um, uh, from Amia that I think, you know, you could just respond to. Mm-hmm. But I think it was de- it's, it's worthwhile, and I would say that next year I'm, I'm going to do it again. Sweet. Jamie? Amy or travel, you know, whatever. It's the same thing. Uh, I can go travel. So travel pro tip, I like Google Trips. It helps organize all of my uh, flight information, where I'm staying for hotels or any reservations I have. I think it's very fantastic. The second travel pro tip, uh, I think Mike for organizing a switch house. <laughs> it's a, a really phenomenal experience having a place to go at night or multiple times throughout the day, see everyone, try to organize lunches or dinners. 
Um, I think it facilitates networking. And this is a, an Airbnb that Wang got, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Chancy? Uh, my travel pro tip is roll everything. So if you look at Japanese Google YouTube videos, uh, if you roll things, you can get up to 50% more stuff. Like, it saves 50% of your space. You can, by rolling it, you can get twice as much stuff in your in your luggage. Wow. Sponsored by Japan. Sponsored by <laughs> ja- YouTube Japan. And Chancy's clothes don't look wrinkled, so I mean, yeah, it must so, be fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just stuff them in a Pringles can, and you can have, like, your... <laughs> Way? Uh, so... I am not sponsored by this company, but I, I I've come to really appreciate Splashtop. It's basically this thing that lets you like remote into your computer from anywhere, um, including your phone when you're on a plane. So it's been pretty useful. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I guess my pro tip is that I always forget stuff, and the front desk at hotels actually will give you all kinds of free things that you forget, like toothbrushes and toothpaste and deodorant and razors. <laughs> Not that I forgot all You can things, roll all that together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, do you have but an Apple Watch charger? Have, yes, I do have that. I do have that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have Apple Watch chargers in the front desk. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, so Do they charge ask. you for that stuff or not? No. They have, like, mini deodorant and mini wow. everything and, like, travel-sized stuff. And, you know, the toothbrushes are not fancy. <laughs> They're, like, the kind we give out in the hospital or something. But still, you can pretty much not bring anything in. This, is like, follow- this is, like, the follow-up of Chase's comment. Just what? ask, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I, can I actually... I, I do have a, tr- a super trip cheap. pro tip. See, it wasn't that stupid yeah, of an idea. Yeah, it was not. No, it was a very smart... Okay, this, all right. This, okay. is, this is just a general life uh, trip pro tip. Um, but... Uh, and I haven't done this, but apparently this is a thing you can do. But you can apparently travel via cargo ship, huh. like yeah. to the throughout, like as a method of travel. And it's he's been talking about this for like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like, it's not nice though. Isn't it takes that super a long slow? It's, but I mean, yeah. are you in a chicken coop? No, 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 like, no. Like, like, it's actually really nice. Like you can. I fell into a terrible YouTube hole, but like you can, like you can. There's like a subset of humanity that does this, and I want to be a part of that. Does group. HGTV have a yeah. show about this? Or? Not yet. Is not there yet. Mark Zhang's podcast? It's Mark like, travels the world in, in a cargo way. Seventy dollars to like hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. I think it's euros. I think uh, you, you know these these, well, these cargo ship cartels. They work out of the US dollars. European standard. You know they want stability. So yeah, seventy to one hundred fifty euros a night, and like the trips can be like upwards to like sixty days, and you know you you just sixty you, days. You, you, you know like you get you get three square meals. You get like full run of most of the cargo deck, and like you know the top and. You know, you're not connected to the internet, and you live on a cargo ship, and it seems, like, kind of cool. It's like a really slow cruise with no amenities. Yeah, no amenities. no amenities. Uh, It's like you're stowing away, but they know about you. I feel like I'd wake up every day and be like, am I supposed to be here? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the answer is yes. So, yeah, that's my pro tip, that, uh, you know, you can travel. Think about cargo ships next time you travel. Why not? Why not cargo ship? Well, great. I... (laughs) 60 day vacation. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Uh, But for real, Mark, Jamie, Chansey, Michael, Melissa, everyone, thank you so much for joining me in my hotel room today with my clothes around here. Yeah, this is Go Live. Thank you so much for listening. Like us on iTunes. Give us a review. Uh, Tell your friend to listen to us. Tell your mom. Uh, Tell just one friend. One friend per person. Cargo ships. Cargo ships.